0: Put your pencils down, because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Star Seminar. It's nice to see that even though we're a couple weeks into the semester, you all have bright, shining faces. It looks like you've been getting enough sleep. I don't expect that to continue much longer, however. I am Professor Rabble Rouser, and with me, as always, Professor Emeritus, the Great Danny Phantom. How are you today, sir?
2: I am doing great. You know, you know speaking of sleep, you know, it's for all you East Coasters. You're going to be up late uh, Monday night because you got a we got a Monday night football game. I'm I'm super excited. I'm excited about us playing our division again because I mean obviously you know the Cowboys they ran the ran the gauntlet last year with the with the division and uh, here we go we get to we get to play some old friends and uh and it's just what the doctor ordered because uh, you know the Cowboys I think they they've had a couple tough opponents and uh, I think they could use a break and I think uh, what better break is to have you know Daniel Jones and company uh, show up uh, but you know I, I started thinking about it. I was like you know You know i don't really like hate the giants and and i'm sorry yeah me too i I wanted to ask you is who who is your most hated nfc east rival oh it's definitely it's definitely the eagles
1: it's not even close um when i first became a cowboy fan in the mid 70s and into the 80s with the joe gibbs teams uh, it was washington but it's not it's not them anymore it hasn't been for a long time because they they've basically been a joke for 30 years um it, it, ever since ever since the the Eagles became good again with Andy Reid, um, I've I've really you know I've really hated them. And uh, as you know, in 2006, I moved to Philadelphia. I've been a Philadelphia resident ever since, and that has done nothing except uh, deepen and intensify my dislike of the Eagles and in particular of Eagles fans. So I, I will say that this is this is an interesting NFC East game because um, I've never even when they were good i've never particularly disliked the giants so i i've, I've never i never had that set same kind of like burning hate for them that i have for the other two nfc east rivals
2: how about you yeah i mean it's weird so I, there's a couple of things that that's weird about me is i don't have a favorite nfl player or a cowboys player and and i don't have a like a least favorite to, you know team that i hate it always kind of it moves you know depending on what what's going on and i say with – for the NFC East, it's really just about who's causing the most problems for the Cowboys at that point in time. And uh, so for the most, for the better part of a couple of years, it's it's actually been the Eagles uh, who have been the team that I hate the most out of that group. Uh, but it will change. If, if one of these teams start to play well and they're causing they're the, they're the biggest competition for the Cowboys, then I will find myself, that's the team I despise the most. So, it, I mean, you go back and, like, when I first started following football, you know, the Eagles were the first team to hate, in a sense, because the, the, the first NFC Championship I saw was the, the Eagles beat us, you know, and then the, then we lost to the 49ers in the NFC Championship. After that. And then it was washed the, after that. So, I mean, I got an early dose of not liking the NFC East, you know, real out of the gate. But the Giants have just been so, like, un, irrelevant lately to where it's like, you know, just kind of, you know, you don't even really think about them too much. So I guess I just haven't had a lot of time to build mm-hmm. up that, uh, that hatred towards them, so... Yeah, I just—I guess I don't have one. I guess—I guess it's Eagles because that's the team that's causing the most problems right now. So, but but anyway. So let
1: me let me ask you a question. Um, so as you said earlier, we're getting ready to jump into um, you know, a Monday night game uh, where we're all going to be staying up late on the East Coast to watch the Cowboys Giants tilt. And and um, you know, Monday night games, prime time games always have a you know they always have a special place and. And of course, the powers that be in the NFL offices love to put the Cowboys, the number one draw, on the field with New York Giants, number one market, on the field at the same time. So there have been a lot of Cowboys Giants primetime games. It's a lot to choose from; it's a big list. But I'm going to ask you something. Uh, I want you to give me your favorite of all, of all those big primetime
2: uh, Cowboys Giants games. Which one stands out to you as, as as number one? So you know, you know, we talk, we we mentioned this to each other before the game. So we're you know we have an idea what what to say and usually I like to have a couple just in case just in case Rabs has the same thing and I I don't have two so I'm banking on on your old schoolness to uh kind of not to not steal your answer because I uh, because mine's going to be recent and uh you know I'm going back to to the the opener in the 2015 season it was it was one of the only good things really about that and that season I mean we've We started 2 0, we beat Philly the following week, but of course, Romo got hurt. But but that opener, that was the come from behind win over the Giants, you know, was the the Romo to Witten, you know, seven seconds left in the game. Uh, But I like it because, for a couple reasons, the Cowboys were down 10 in the fourth quarter, and they, you know, they came back and won. But it's especially satisfying because the Giants had that game won. If if you might remember, they were going down, they were up by three late in the game. And they had it, like, third and one at the one-yard line. And all they had to do, if they punch it, if they run it and get stopped, it's going to run out the clock. I mean, the clock's going to be it's just less than a minute to left in the game, and the Cowboys are going to have to score a touch. It's, it's, it's virtually impossible. But they chose to, to – they did, like, Eli threw an incomplete pass and just gave mm-hmm. new life to the Cowboys. And then gave them, like, 90 seconds to score. You know, they kicked the field goal, went up six. But then, then Romo marched down the field, you know. And so it just it's especially – satisfying, because the Giants just, uh, the, you know, complete ineptitude, and just, you know, just to throw the game away like that, and they deserve to lose, so uh, to me, I mean, I think that's that's the one that I remember, you know, uh, so I would say, yeah, that is my favorite Giants primetime game, so what about you, Rabs? you...
1: That's a great one. That's a great one. Yeah, I, it and there was actually a, a, a couple plays on that drive earlier. Earlier in that drive, where, where Eli Manning didn't run the clock all the way down before he snapped the ball, and and I think in total they lost like thirty seconds or something, or, or they they failed to take thirty extra seconds, seconds off the clock, which w- you know would have made a difference no, in the game. Big difference. I I also. I remember the way the Cowboys attacked, like they, they didn't have a lot of timeouts, but they went ahead and attacked the middle of the field because Lance Dunbar was such a mismatch against their slow middle linebacker. And he had like two huge gains. And then they started attacking the perimeter I, you know, passed a Witten, another one to Terrence Williams. And then the game winner to Witten with, you no know, with hardly any time left. It was, I remember my wife had gone to bed already. And so I had to be quiet. And I remember jumping up and down and without saying anything, like saying F yeah, but like not saying anything, you know, uh, it, like in my living room. And uh, that was a great game. I, the one, the one that's um, that sticks out to me and you're right. It's a little old school ball, but not really, really old school was um, in Bill's par- Bill Parcells first year. They had a, they had a, they had a, a a Monday night game against the giants, his return to the Meadowlands and Quincy Carter and crew jumped out to a big lead. The giants came back. Um, and then there's that incredible sequence where um the the giants like kicked off uh one of the cowboys i don't even remember who it was at this point uh very smartly let the ball roll out of bounds so they got the ball to 40 and uh quincy carter was able to hit um a receiver downfield was it was it was it antonio bryant maybe uh d- down downfield and get them in field goal range to tie the game with no time left and then and then they they had a nice little drive to win it in overtime and it was it was just such a uh sort of shocking you know shocking thing because the giants had been so good and you know of course bill Parcells returned to the meadowlands that had had a kind of st- storytell uh fairy tale storybook quality to it that was pretty great uh, but it was also just a really really great game where you know uh, we didn't we didn't have any idea that the, the cowboys were going to be any good at all that year we assumed they would be awful because they they were coming off three five and eleven seasons and um and so it was it was just like an incredible like um an incredible upset at the time, and then and then later on we realized that Cowboys were probably a better team than Giants. Um, and anyway, that that was that was one of them. There, there's a, there's a bunch of them. There's one where Dion Dion had like three three. An interception return and maybe a kickoff return and a punt return or some some ridiculous sort of combination and you end up sort of single-handedly being the giants on monday night there was a season opener in 1995 where emmett smith ripped off a, a t- it's like a 60-yard touchdown in the first play of, the, of this of the season there's been a lot there's been a lot of memorable giants cowboys tilts I, I tell you what um to talk more about uh cowboys giants history let's bring on let's bring our our good friend kunal shaw um he's a historian of the nfl and a giants fan and um you know we'll talk a little bit about giants cowboys past and the giants cowboys future all right students put your cell phones away and listen up because we have a treat for you here today Guest lecturer for today is none other than the OG of the NYG, the great former writer for Big Blue View, and an old, old friend of ours from way, way back in the early SB Nation days, the great Kunal Shah, also known as K60 on Twitter. (laughs) Kunal, how are you, my friend?
3: I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. I'm excited for Giants-Cowboys. I, I really couldn't have said it, um, you know, with a lot of uh, genuine feeling in years past, but uh, with our 2-0 Giants, you know, uh, and no Dak, maybe a little bit of excitement starting to creep in. So thank you so much for having me. Like, like Sean said, you know, we go way, way back. Um, I used to be Invictus XI for Big Blue View. I was one of their head writers for a few years from 2010 to 2016, 2017, before life got in the way. But, uh, you know, friends, friends, uh, friends, stay friends and you know Absolutely. we've been riffing back and forth on Twitter. So it's been fun.
1: Yeah, we've had, you know, it's, 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 we run the whole gamut, right? So, so we, we started probably having arguments about Brandon Jacobs and finished by having arguments about Eli Manning. And so, um, so now now we're, now we're, we (laughs) may not argue, but we're going to, we're going to be talking about this generation of, um, of New York football giants. So the first question I have for you is obviously, uh, the, the big development there, at least, at least from our perspective, and correct me if, if, if I'm wrong in that is that they have a new head coach. So, um, I'd love to. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Giants' new coaching staff, and in particular, um, on um, their their new head coach. What are you What are your thoughts about that, and, and what's different about the team as a result?
3: Yeah. So um, Brian Dable is, is is saying all the right things and doing all the right things right now. You know, and um, you know, at this point last year um, or two years ago, I should say, Joe Judge was saying all the right things. And in many eyes was doing all the right things as well. You know, so I, I, I really, I really am kind of approaching this with a very tempered enthusiasm. Uh, But, you know, you already start to see some differences between the two, you know, um, you have this juxtaposition where Joe judge will, uh, will run victory formation in the first quarter you know, uh, with the Giants uh, down seven and, and sort of just sucked the life out of the team towards the end of his uh, end of his tenure. And then you sort of juxtapose that with Brian Dable, uh, week one against the number one seed in the AFC, the Tennessee Titans, um, going for two and going for the win when, you know, they, they, they came back um, and the score was 20 to 19 and they, they Ended up converting and winning the game, and and so just showing faith in the team, and um, just having you know a more relaxed and and sort of team friendly atmosphere uh, right now has been doing wonders. And so you know everybody's riding high on Brian Dable, but that's what winning does. You know we have to wait and see. You know adversity, everybody everybody you know reacts to adversity differently, and we haven't had that much adversity yet in this very young season so you know jury's out but uh uh so far so good
1: well let's hope micah parsons can offer just a little Uh, adversity it'll be a growing opportunity for you guys so actually i'll tell you what as an outsider i'd love to hear uh an outsider to to, you know to to us as as cowboy fans um i'd love to hear your take on this um where how would you rank the various nfc east head coaches and then of course where where does Brian Dable fall, and is he already the best head coach in the NFC
3: East? Well, I can definitely tell you no. You know, he may be the best head coach in the NFC East, um, but but I think it's too early to say that. Um, I don't think I have the most flattering vision of Mike McCarthy. Um, I don't think Mike McCarthy is really anywhere near the top of the NFC East. I think, um, you know, there's probably a, a very large contingent of Cowboy fans that would agree with me. And I suspect there's a lot of, uh, a lot of anticipation uh, and, and sort of tracking on how Sean, what Sean Payton's thoughts are about Mike McCarthy. Um, so, so that kind of leaves us with Nick Sirianni, which, you know, and, Anytime I have to praise the Eagles, I'm it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Um, and Ron Rivera, and um, I'd say by default, just based on prior experience, I'd probably go with Ron Rivera as the best coach in the NFCs. Wow! You know, um, I think the Commanders have had a lot of adversity mm-hmm. coming from their, you know, owner mostly. Um, and and I think he's he's doing a lot with the talent that he has. Uh, and he brings sort of maturity to, you know, kind of an immature team. Nick Sirianni, listen, if he takes the Eagles um, to, you know, the promised land, obviously he's going to be the obvious choice. But I still think it's too early for him, just as it's too early for Brian Babel. um And then Mike McCarthy is, is somewhere in there, too. So I think... I think you have two incompletes in the NFC East. I think you have an established head coach in Ron Rivera, and you have an established head coach in Mike McCarthy where, you know, there have been some mistakes. And I, and I think you'd agree with me, you know, as far as McCarthy goes. Um, so we'll see how it shakes out. But, but, but I'm definitely, you know, I'm not going to be somebody who's, you know, beating his chest and saying, you know, Brian Dable is the best. Uh, he's got to earn it. You know, and the Giants fans have been suffering for a long time. So, so, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're starved for something good, but, but he's got
2: to earn it. Yeah. I actually think you, you hit it right on the head. I, I, I agree with everything there. Um, yeah. I think the the two younger coaches definitely are incompletes and you never know Cause they could, they could go either direction. Rivera to me is the obvious. I think, I don't think there's much debating about it. Um, a lot of people, I mean, I know some people don't care for him that much, but, of the choices, I really think you got to go. Out. I would rank McCarthy third, and the only reason I say third is because I figure between Seriani and and um, and the Giants' coach, uh, one of them will be better, one of them will be worse. So I just kind of figure maybe I'm just playing the odds. But, uh, so I, I'm not going to put I, I'm not going to put McCarthy dead last, even though if it was me, I probably would. But I mean, I'm, I'm just <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to be objective and just so that's that's how I I would stack them. Uh, Rabs, do you have a different thought about any of this?
1: um it's funny because i i sort of in thinking about this uh as we created the question i was um i think i just dismissed rivera and so both of your arguments are are really interesting and persuasive and i think i dismissed him just because i dismissed that organization in general and i I, you know for for the some of the reasons you began to talk about when you when you're talking about the the train wreck that is their ownership um i've always i've always been a fan of ron rivera he went to my alma mater and i you know i thought he was a, a really interesting player uh you know, when he was at, playing for the Chicago bears way back in the day. And um, I respect him a lot as a man. And yes, I mean, he's had a heck of a lot of adversity, but, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish that position on anybody working with that front office. oh my God, that must be really, really challenging. I mean, and, and I mean, uh, if uh, the, the amount of stuff that you probably are privy to, that you simply can't talk about because it's um, it's too indemnifying. Uh, it, it's probably, you know, the four or five, four or five little juicy tidbits a day. Um, so that's all a way of saying, uh, I actually, I actually don't think it's too, I don't know. I I don't, I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's too early to, to, to have some, some, some reasonable opinion. And I think I would probably put, I don't know. I just, I just have, i have a feeling right now that both Sirian and Dable are better coaches than McCarthy. And and I think they might both be better coaches than than Rivera.
2: They could be. You know, one other point too, and you kind of mentioned the the ownership too. And I and I want to say with Sirianni is, and I feel this is also true with Doug Peterson is like I feel like the ownership they're they're just so you know it's they take a lot of risk and they and they make a lot of big moves. And I think that sometimes the coaches just get caught up in it, and, and they're they're applauded when they work because we I remember we thought Peterson was fantastic. I mean, Cowboy fans, you know, they were talking. Talking about you know Peterson and stuff when you know when they hated Garrett, and, but then at the same time too when you, they when those moves come crashing down, then obviously they got the worst coach in there. So I don't. It, it may it may be kind of tricky to uh, properly evaluate uh, Sirianni or an Eagles coach because of you know the, how how works and just all the things that the, the Eagles do um, because they're just you know they're constantly making radical changes uh, to their team. So. Uh, so that makes it hard. So I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not, that's why I'm not going to give Sirianni like a lot of credit when if things are, are going well. But at the same time, I'll be open to the idea that maybe he deserves it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And I, I think, I think, you know, to your point, right? Um, you know, expectations, you know, play a huge role in when, when we're talking about these coaches, right? So I think the expectations for Nick Sirianni and Mike McCarthy are, I'd say higher than they are for Ron Rivera and Brian Dable. I don't know, like, would you guys agree with that? Um, I think both, both teams have enough talent and, and have made moves. Uh, Eagles more so, I think, than the Cowboys this past offseason, that, that signify, hey, you know, we need to make the playoffs. We need, to, we need to win. You know, I know Jerry Jones puts a lot of that pressure on, on, on the coaching staff for sure. But, you know, you just look at the moves that the Eagles made, you know, trading a first for, for you know, A.J. Brown, you know, um, really sort of going all in on, on the offseason, you know, bringing in you know, some big-name big name additions, Jordan Davis, um, you know, Hayshon Reddick, you know, uh, and uh, James Bradbury, uh, training for uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, you know, they – they've made some high profile moves. Right. And, and it, it, I get the sense that they're really trying to gear up for, for a deep playoff run. And so you have to, you know, if they don't make the playoffs, but they end up with a better record, you know, than than say the giants or, you know, the commanders and they miss the wild card or something, which I don't think is going to happen, but you know, that's a, that's a big failure, you know, from Nick Sirianni's part. Whereas with Brian Dable, I, I don't think anybody's really giving the giants a chance. Um, I, I think I can safely say that. And so if the Giants, you know, do have a, a winning record, right, you know, a nine and eight record, people are going to say, holy crap, you know, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Dables, Dables,
3: you know, really good coach. And so expectations, I think, play a big role
2: um, in in how we rank this. Right. Yeah. And that's why McCarthy's going to get fired after the end of this season. Yeah. It's because yep. the expectations are that the Cowboys need to be going up and, you know, when they don't, then – you know he's going to be he's going to be held accountable. So, but uh, one thing I wanted to talk about. So uh, I mean I look at the Giants and usually I mean in the past they've kind of like been I've made jokes about them just being dreadful at drafting and just basically using free agency to kind of fill the voids and make up make up the difference because they have had some some bad <laughs> drafting. But they had two really uh, early draft picks this year. Um, yeah. Actually, it's strangely enough, and this is—I'm not just saying this because it's the Giants. Uh, the guys they picked, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, um, you know, fifth overall, and Evan Neal, seventh overall. You know, two really great players. You know, and, and you know, as far as you know, how they were uh, stacked in the draft, they were a little lower on my board. So I—I I wasn't like—I wasn't disappointed when they they picked those players because those are like the players I I could see maybe not living up to the expectations. But I wanted to get your thoughts on what. Is your initial impression on those two early draft picks for the Giants? Yeah, that's a,
3: that's a good question. So, so let's start with Kayvon uh, Thibodeau. Um So he was the fifth overall pick. Um, the I feel I feel a little disappointed, and and not because of you know his play or anything like that, but just because he hasn't played. You know, um, I want to see the guy play. Uh, he got injured in the second preseason game uh, against the Bengals, I believe. Um, because I think uh, Thaddeus Moss, you know, threw kind of a low block, and there was some debate on Twitter about whether or not this type of block um, should be outlawed, but legal block. Um, but uh, but he had a, he, he suffered a knee injury from that, and uh, the Giants have been pretty mum on his availability. Um, they listed him as doubtful for the Week One opener against Carolina, and um, they're just calling him day to day, and so we haven't really had a chance to see a lot of Kayvon uh, Thibodeau, aside from, you know, maybe a handful of reps in the first preseason game. Uh, during training camp, he was ripping dudes. Um, you know, he was winning a lot of one-on-ones. Um, he, you know, in my mind, looked like he was on his way to justifying, you know, being the fifth overall pick, but uh, we won't know. And uh, I, I, have, I have a feeling that, if he does play against the Cowboys on Monday night, um, he's going to be limited, and and I don't know that we can take away anything from from the snaps that he does get because he's been put on ice for the last um, uh, for the last few weeks. So uh, disappointment because I just you know he's your top draft pick. You know the Cowboys have Micah Parsons. The, uh, the Commanders drafted um, uh, drafted uh, Chase Young a year, like a couple of years ago. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have these alpha edge rushers, and you feel like the Giants got an alpha edge rusher of their own, and you just want to see it. So, um, so kind of again incomplete with 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 Thibodeau. Uh, moving on to to Neal, the your second first round draft pick, seventh overall. Um, the initial impression has been overall a positive one. Um, he's he's played every snap. Unlike unlike Thibodeau, he's he's been able to play every snap. Uh, the first game was was a little rough, you know, and he gave up some pressures, um, and 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 you know one of these things uh, that that you know what what really kind of frustrates me, you know, about just football in general is, you know, people look at Tristan Wirfs and they look at Rashawn Slater and think that you know if you're a rookie going on an offensive line, you need to you need to produce right away, and if you're a high draft pick. You're a bust after a few games. Um, Evan Neal has had some detractors within, you know, the Giants, you know, universe because yeah, he, he struggled. Um, and and the reason for him struggling actually is is his uh, our offensive line coach Bobby Johnson, um, you know, really does put an emphasis on shorter, quicker pass sets, which he didn't really do it at Alabama. He had these nice long vertical pass sets. His biggest issue in college was balance and sort of having these big, long strides and these vertical pass sets really helped, um, really helped with that. Whereas, you know, there's no hiding. And, and, you know, with quicker defenders, if, if you don't get there, if you don't meet your mark quick enough, those balance issues will show up and they've been showing up. Um, and so, uh, And so it's been positive because he improved a significant amount from, from game one one to game two. But, uh, but um, you know, he's got some work to do. He's got some work to do. Um, I know you guys have, you know, a rookie starting tackle of your own in Tyler Smith. And, um, you know, from, from what I remember watching him versus Bengals, uh, I think he did pretty well, Mm -hmm. Um, really well. And so, you know, these rookies will have ups and downs, and, and you just kind of got to ride, ride through. Um, and so I wanted to sort of add to this, you know, I know we're talking about initial impressions, but um, one of the one of the big matchups that I'll be looking for in this game is Evan Neal um, against Micah Parsons, which, you know, uh, is not a great matchup for us. And not, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing it, but also not looking forward to seeing it. Um, on the other side of of the Giants line, you have Andrew Thomas, who I think has, you know, been playing at an all pro caliber level, um, and is one of the best offensive tackles in the game, right or left tackle. Um, and I don't think that the Cowboys are going to put Michael Parsons on. Now that is something where I think would be a phenomenal matchup just because it's, you know, best on best. But I think, I think, you know. The Cowboys, you know, if they um, if they were smart, they would line up Micah Parsons who obviously has, you know, kind of this absurd speed to power um, and, and put him on Evan Neal and, and catch Evan Neal off balance. So um, what I'm gonna say to Cowboys fans who, who are interested in, in in sort of tracking how Evan Neal does with Tyler Smith, don't take Monday night as an indictment on Evan Neal, please. Uh, Micah Parsons kills most offensive linemen, as, as I'm sure you know. Um, and, you know, having him on a rookie is, 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 is probably going to be bad. But uh, overall, you know, kind of a long-winded way of saying, I think he's, he's, he's going to be a good one, but he's got some looks.
2: Yeah. Sometimes they take time. And I've been trying to tell Rabs, you know, with Tyler Smith, just give the guy time. <laughs> give him time. You know, and... But, uh, yeah, it's – uh no, none of that's true. I've been real hard on Tyler Smith, and uh, <laughs> uh, clearly I have – I am mistaken. But one thing, too, you know, I am surprised with, like, with the Andrew um, Thomas pick. I mean, because I, I I felt like we knew that the Giants were going to take offensive line, but I thought you guys mm-hmm. were going to get Tristan works. I thought – and I thought, yeah. oh, and he, to me, he was, like, one of my top-ranked players in the draft. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I do yeah. not want to be going against him for the next decade and a half and stuff. So, but then you guys surprised us with – I was – I mean, I – to me, I at the time I'm like, that seems like a little bit of a reach, and uh, and yeah. then but now you know you're actually starting to see, and you, he's he's been playing really well, and so I'm starting to kind of backtrack on, on my feelings about um, Andrew Thomas too. So I yeah, I feel like you got you got one good tackle, and with Evan Neal, it's like you you know it's a kind of a wait and see. Um, but yeah, yeah, right. He does got a tough, a really tough test ahead of him with um with Micah because I mean tell you what, even the most sturdy of tackles have balance issues when they're trying to, um, you know, deal with him. So uh, that definitely would be, would be fun to watch. You
1: know, one That's, of the things you were, one of the things you were just talking about was uh, initial impressions and, and how we have to, uh, it's, 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 the NFL is such a strange league because there are so few games and, and careers are so short and uh, it, we've, we, we, we have to form impressions about things in with such a comparatively small sample size um than you would if you were following a following a baseball team or something you know where you can you have you know you have you can get 150 at bats before you can actually you know you can begin to form an impression of somebody and he, here you don't have nearly as many um as many plays to evaluate etc many, many opportunities to evaluate and so that seems to be you know in, in many ways the sort of theme of this conversation is we have we were talking about some young players uh we can't get overly excited and we can't get overly disappointed by them. And I think it, it also applies to the season. Like one of the things that one of the things that um that Dan and I have been talking about a lot lately is that the way the NFL is constructed now, uh September is essentially the preseason, right? Yeah. And because no one's playing no one's yeah. playing games in preseason. Uh so the preseason games are essentially training camp scrimmages. Um and and so and then now we're really we're really in preseason preseason football so we're not going to know anything about teams because they, they haven't played together you know it's just to, so the, we could say that the eagles looked really good last last week but i don't know that it means anything it's a preseason game
2: right so
1: so that's all a way of saying um let's tap the brakes on uh on, you know like as, as you've been rightly cautioning on on uh, evaluating some of these youngsters too quickly uh, it it takes many people two or three years which is the the strange thing about the nfl if you're not a first round draft pick it takes you three years you have basically one year and then some and maybe a little bit more with your team and 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 it's man i mean i i do not envy people in nfl front offices because you're you're spending so much time evaluating guys and you may only have them for a year before you before you can't afford them any longer at any rate um with this theme of like tapping the brakes and, and not not evaluating I don't want to put too much or too little into it. But what do you make of the Giants' two zero start? Does is it meaningful at all? Is it uh, you know we talked earlier about the Brian Dable uh, you know administration and, and the beginning of his of his coaching tenure with the team? Is this an indication of, of of a turnaround or is it just kind of the the fact that the NFL is really a luck driven parity driven league and it's only it's a small sample size? Uh,
3: what do you what do you make of of the the Giants' two zero start? So, so, you know, former, former Cowboys coach and, and your Giants legend, Bill Parcells, uh, had this one quote, you are what your record says you want. But, are, but uh, are you? And, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and uh, that, that's, that's how, that's how I choose to look at. It. And, you know, the NFL is, you know, and you guys know this also well, a game of inches, right? It's a game of seconds, you know, and, and so you look at the Giants' two games, probably against bad teams, right? I think Tennessee's probably not a great team this year. They were great last year, probably not so great this year. Carolina's a mess. Um, but And you look at it and you say the Giants won 21-20, uh, but Tennessee missed a makeable field. Game. And that's, that's why the Giants won. And then Carolina, oh, you know, uh, the Giants won – On a Graham Gano 56-yard field goal, 1960. But I'll take you back to last year, um, and and the Giants' first nine games. Giants' first nine games, they were three and six, and and so you know you had you know sort of the view of the Giants as this three and six team that was terrible. Within those nine games, one versus the the Washington football team, they lost because. Dexter Lawrence was called for an offside and, uh, on, on the game ending field goal in which that field goal was missed and then subsequently after five errors was made and the Giants lost by, by a point. And it was, it was then found at the end of the, um, I think the, the, the referee Twitter, the football Zebras Twitter account, the referee, NFL referee Twitter account said after the game that Dexter Lawrence actually wasn't offside. Then there was a game against the Atlanta Falcons where the Giants lost 17-14, and uh, that was on a very long, young crew field goal uh, in which there was a questionable penalty which got the Atlanta Falcons in the field goal position at the end of the game. Otherwise, um, it would have gone into overtime. And then the third game uh, that I wanted to talk about was the Kansas City Chiefs. You know – One of the kings of the AFC, the Giants, lost 20-17. to They held the the Chiefs to 20 points, and again, there were some questionable penalties, as there are in every game. But, you know, that's the thing, right? And and the Giants, over the past few years, have lost these types of games, have always lost these types of games. There was one game two years ago, a game that I went to at Lincoln Financial Field, where the Giants lost in the 63-yard field goal by Jake Elliott. That was the worst subway ride home in Philadelphia that I've ever experienced. But you know, the, the point stands. They they used to lose these types of games. They couldn't close these games out. Call it luck, whatever it is. Well, now the Giants are winning these games. And and again, you know, luck. You know, I I, I believe I believe in luck. But I believe that over time, you know, good luck and bad bad luck sort of even out, right? And so yeah if you ask me how legit this this 2-0 start is it's just as legit as the eagles 2-0 start until it isn't you know and and it's because football is crazy football is you know a game of inches game of seconds and that's why we love it that's why we watch even though sometimes our teams are bad um because anything can happen and so that's my that's my sort of answer to that
0: support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent And get your child's assessment for only twenty nine dollars. That's s y l v 29com
1: A reasonable
2: answer. Yeah, you can't. I mean, I, that's that's how I'd answered it too. But uh, I'd give the Rabs if my team was zero and two. I'd give the Rabs. It's just preseason answer. And if they're two and zero, yeah. I'm going to Parcells quote. And yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, speaking of two and zero, uh, the Cowboys' backup quarterback Cooper Rush is he's two and zero as a starter. So uh, there you go. So I want you to tell me what you think the Giants are going to do to to um, slow down this uh, phenomenal quarterback, the juggernaut. Juggernaut.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, so I will say, you know, probably the most impactful coach on the giants. Uh, I would say right now is, is maybe not even Brian Dable. It's probably Wing Barndale, their defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. completely different style, ultra aggressive. Um, you know, he's, he's the guy who's known to blitz the highest percentage of time, um, out of any other defensive coordinator in the NFL. And it's worked. It really has worked. And it's really energized the Giants' defense. And, um, I think if you have, you know, a, a more inexperienced quarterback, they're going to be more prone to errors when they're under pressure. And, and, and you, can, you can bet that, that Wayne Warndale is going to be, be blitzing more in this game than he has the first two games, uh, guaranteed. And, and what the Giants do, and what the Giants have been doing really well, is they've been using their, their two safeties. So their two safeties are Xavier McKinney and Julian Love. Xavier McKinney, um, I call a budding star. Julian Love, I call a pretty solid starter caliber player. And they have been moving. They have been moving them. Um, he's been moving them everywhere. Um, you know, up at the line of scrimmage, and 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 using them interchangeably. And what that does is it allows him a lot of flexibility. You know, he has these zone blitzes where he'll have. You know the defensive tackles. You know, um, you know, back in the co- back in coverage, you have these amoeba formations, things like that. Pretty complicated defense, and I think you know that's if the Giants are going to win, it's going to be on the back of their their defense. Um, they actually, you know, fun fact, they are they lead the league in third down defense um, and and third down co- conversion. The third down conversion rate is, is sub 25%, which is, which is, you know, you know, pretty significant. And, 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 it, and it tells me that it's not, it's not a fluke, you know? Um, and so, and so it'll be the Giants defense that, that, that potentially stops Rush. Um Unfortunately, the defense has a lot of injuries. You know, we talked about Kayvon Thibodeau, Their other, their, their other edge rusher is Ezo who set the franchise record for rookie sacks with eight and a half last year. And we have really high hopes for also has been out for the last two weeks. So we've been, we've been playing our, our edge three and edge four for, for both games and, and, and both players. We haven't, I haven't really heard anything as far as their availability for Monday night. Leonard Williams, maybe our best player on the defense. Um, is is out um with an injury and then our second our our, our cb2 aaron robinson uh, ended up having appendicitis and so uh, needed an appendectomy so he was out for caroline and his status is in question so we have a lot of injuries on 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 the defensive side uh, but you know Wink's going to try and mask that as best he can by just bringing the heat. Um, so he's Wink's going to be the X factor for the Giants for sure, and how he calls the game. Interesting. Okay.
1: Thanks for that info. Um, I want to I want to now sort of flip the field and talk about um, the uh, the Giants' offense and the Cowboys' defense. Yeah. But, but before I do, we you know we were talking earlier about about Micah Parsons, and I want to ask you a kind of uh, bring a sort of lead-in question here because you're positioned as well as anybody I know to answer this question, and that is that we're seeing. Uh, lots of comparisons of Micah Parsons to Lawrence Taylor. Please tell people why why that's not a, a reasonable comparison.
3: It's not reasonable in any in any you know sort of sense of the word. I think, and and, and let me just say this, okay? I'm not saying this as a Giants fan. I'm saying this um, as a fan of NFL history. Um, and and let me also say that I think that. Michael Parsons is probably the most talented pass rusher in the NFL, and if he if he was a full time pass rusher, um, he has as good a chance as any as breaking Michael Strahan's uh, single season sack record. Um, so I say this with with the utmost respect for Michael Parsons and skill set, but I mean, come on, it's his second year in the league, you know. Lawrence Taylor is, is, is somebody who dominated for close to a decade, who literally changed the linebacker position. You know, and and there, the way
1: we think about offensive
3: line. And, and the way that we think of the offensive line. There was a mm-hmm. paradigm shift in the way that teams game plan because of Lawrence Taylor. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody in the NFL uh, has, has come close to that with the exception of maybe, maybe, Aaron Donald in the way that, you know, teams view these undersized three techniques. Um, but, and, and, and I think Aaron Donald is the reason why these guards are now getting $20 million a year. You know, I think that's the result of, of, of Aaron Donald. Um, but, but, but apart from that, you know, Michael Parsons has a chance to be a very, very, very devastating player, Hall of Fame, hall of fame player. And you know, I, I'm one to say historically like, you know, records and legacies are meant to be broken. You know, there will be a player at some point that 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 comes along and, you know, dethrones Lawrence Taylor as the greatest defensive player of all time. And that's fine. I'm not I'm not angry at that. And it very well could be Michael Parsons, but I mean it's it's, it's week three of his second year. in the league. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so, you know, there's a long way to go. And, 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 you know, that's kind of all I have to say about that. I think it's really funny when people say that and half I, the time, I think people are trolling, but um, I,
1: I agree. I, I agree. I think that people are doing that because they, they've either forgotten or they never got a chance to see Lawrence yeah. Taylor, Taylor play. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, even if numbers aside, play style i don't think i don't think from a, from a kind of play style perspective they're really comparable lawrence taylor's arguably nope. the most violent player on defense in the nfl history you know i mean and and just he was disruptive yes but he was he was just abusive you know what i mean yeah. uh, and 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 michael parsons that's not a style he's much more like Derek thomas or something like that I mean, he's got incredible athleticism his his he can change directions and and cut on a dime without losing without losing speed and acceleration yeah incredibly smooth um um uh, But from a from a, and, and you know he yeah he's a he's a pass rushing linebacker but we can't just say every pass rushing linebacker no. who's good is 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 Lawrence Taylor you know and so um this is one of those things that bothers me and, and you know I love Michael Parsons I'm a, obviously a fervent Cowboy fan I want him to be great and I want him to do all the things you just talked about which is to rewrite rewrite re try this in English re write the the record books and you know all that but I, I just think that um, what. What, the, what those comparisons mean to me is that, is that people are forgetting who Lawrence Taylor was. Yeah. Um, so so as I said, I want this to be I wanted that to be a sort of like um you know a, a little appetizer for the for the real discussion of the Cowboys' uh, defense against the Giants' offense. So obviously Brian Dable came in big time offensive coordinator um, in his resume. Um, you know, what's he going to do? uh how is his offense what's his strategy for attacking the cowboys defense which is i think without without argument the strongest uh of the three units on the cowboys right now
2: but before you get to that i just wanted to um interject a little bit here because first off uh with the whole uh, lt micah comparison i i don't disagree with anything that you guys said i mean obviously you know you're absolutely right It's, it's way too early to be making comparisons and i'll channel my uh Enter Jason Garrett and say you know I'm not real big on comparisons, but I wanted to say that I I understand it a little bit in the sense of two. That there's there's two reasons or there's there's one reason it's it, to me Lawrence Taylor was almost like just a unique player in the sense of you know just edge rushers really didn't look like that and any you know and right. he did just completely wreck things and while I totally agree with Rab's is the st- playing styles are different and but Micah Parsons is also a very unique type of player because you know you don't have edge rushers that can run that fast and uh, you know or even you know or that ha- have that type of build. So I think in that regard while they're different, but they're they're both unique. and um, and certainly like if Micah did go come along and, and was you know just the, the next big thing. We can look back and point to what we've seen so far and say, "Well, it was right in front of us," because the guy has just been phenomenal, and he's and he's starting off this year like right where he left off. So, uh, so I mean, I get it. It's yeah. I mean, if we're, I, I mean, it's silly to compare, you know, a guy, a Hall of Fame player, to a player that's played 16. I don't know, you know, but it's uh, I I also get it too because they're both just very. Unique players, they're just not your typical yeah. type of player. So, yeah. that's I just wanted to throw that in there for all the cowboy fans out there that are like, Hey, what are you talking about? You know, Micah, and, and El- that's totally fair. So, uh, this fair. brings to mind another uh Parcells
1: quote, which is one of my favorites, which is, Don't break out the anointing oil just yet, fellas. Oh, enough, <laughs> enough with the Parcells quote. <laughs> <laughs> it's, one, it's one of these we have in common here. So anyway, back back to our, back to my question about, about uh Brian Dable's offense and, and what they're gonna try to do to yeah uh, I guess I, I guess against what, what is um a pretty feisty Cowboys defense uh, who got six sacks last week against Joe Burrow. Uh, I think people are you know people are thinking that they're gonna eat against the Giants offensive line. What's he gonna do to slow them down and, and generate some offense?
3: I think I think if the Giants are gonna succeed. They need to establish the run with Saquon Barkley, who currently leads the league in rushing yards. Uh, he's having a very good year. Having a very, very good year. He looks like he he's looks back, like right? he's Saquon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He looks like Saquon. And and you know, if you fall behind early and abandon the run, that's when, that's when, you know, you have DeMarcus Lawrence and Michael Parsons painting their ears back. But if you can hold them off, it'll open up play action. And, you know, Brian Dable, he has this sort of pseudo system with, with Mike Kafka, who's coming over from the Andy Reid tree. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, you know, some highlights of, of, of both of these of, of both of these guys are mobile quarterbacks that can make, you know, plays with their feet. Um, Daniel Jones has actually run for about four or five first downs, including several fourth and fourth, uh, fourth downs. And so you're gonna see a lot of Daniel Jones, you know, running. A lot of times it'll be running for his life, but there'll be some design, there'll be some design runs as well. And establishing the run with Saquon Barkley. Um, I think, you know, one of the things I will say about the Cowboys, and and this has been historically consistent and, and obviously correct me if I'm wrong, but this is just how I see it is, you know, the Cowboys aren't really big fans of these big hulking one text and noses and they they put in these these small little three texts like Tristan Hill and and so I, I do think that you know while while the Cowboys have been pretty decent against the one this year, I think that is a, that is an opportunity for the Giants to exploit. Um you know they the, the Giants run uh, mostly a gap on scheme um you know man on man and 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 they can get some movement. There they may not be you know the best pass protectors but they can get some movement in the run game and um and they can get downfield you know joshua azuto our third round pick and evan neal are both and andrew thomas are all pretty athletic and they can and they've been getting downfield um and, and and helping Saquon one break off these big runs so that's the way that i think dable's going to attack this cowboys defense apart from that you know expect a lot of horizontal routes and a lot of quick throws um, a lot of checkdowns. to to sort of, again, neutralize his pass rush. I would expect um, Micah Parsons to come out early um, as a pass rusher and and transition more to maybe more of an off-ball backer because of this, because I think the Giants are acutely aware of who Micah Parsons is and, and, uh, you know, the best way to neutralize a pass rush aside from establishing run, run is getting these quick throws off they, they invested heavily in these yards-after-catch players. So Kadarius Tony, um, who had a very big game against the Cowboys last year. Um, and uh, they, they drafted Dale Robinson, who's kind of a Kadarius Tony late.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Unfortunately, he's also injured. You know, our, Pretty much our entire draft class is injured. So um, he's also injured and doesn't look like he's going to play. But the Giants have a lot of these smaller wide receivers like Sterling Shepard, they have Kenny Galladay, but they haven't really used him. He only had two snaps um, last week, and he's he's looking like a huge free agent bust for us. But um, that's the expectation as far as the game plan. You know, I think they're going to be very very scared of the, uh, the Cowboys' um, uh, run game uh, uh, or you know pass rush, and uh, you know they're probably going to try and avoid Tra- uh, Trayvon Diggs as much as they can as well. So I, I wouldn't expect too many deep shots. You know, a short passing game and
1: a lot of safe on block. The good news is that with the Cowboys' offense, they're not likely to fall behind. As so they can probably stick to that plan longer into the game, um, because <laughs> even if it's not successful, right? Like even even yeah. if they're, if it's not working, um, yeah, it's it's unlikely the Cowboys are going to be able to generate enough explosives to open up a, a big lead. So uh, uh we have one more question for you, Dan.
2: Yeah. So actually, you know what? You you've given me a lot to think about here, and I've actually changed my mind a couple of times on this uh, when I'm trying to predict this this outcome, but so uh, why don't you tell us, what do you think? Who do you, who's going to win this game and, and give us a final score prediction? I'm,
3: you know, uh, I'm hoping that not a lot of Giants fans watch this, especially Giants fans that I know, but I'm actually going to predict a 1917 win for the Cowboys. Uh I think that I think that you know our offense right now has a lot of problems. Um, and while I think our defense is is incredibly strong and incredibly inspired um, by Wink Mardale, I think you know potentially not having our number one or number two edge rusher, not having the best player on the defense in Leonard Williams, and Potentially not having our second cornerback, you know, there comes a point where you know the losses build up, um, you know, to a degree where you can't really overcome it. And and you know, as much as you know, we want to sort of clown on on Cooper Rush, or at least as as much as I want to clown Rush, you know, um, Hmm. as being not Dak. You know, you guys still have Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. You still have CD Lamb. You know, um, you you. You still have a tight end, which you know the Giants really don't have any linebackers. Although we did sign Jalen Smith earlier this week, um,
1: as you said, the Giants don't really have any linebackers. Yeah, I was going to
3: say I don't know. I don't know if that I don't know if that moves the needle at all for you guys, but um, we don't really have any linebackers, and so if you have a, you know a breathing tight end, living breathing tight end, that's going to be a mismatch for you. And so um, I, I think that the Giants will be good enough to not allow twenty points but I don't think the offense is going to be able to really kind of move the ball. Um, And, you know, they're averaging around 17 points. So I'm not saying anything, you know, um, blasphemous to my fellow Giants fans. So um, as, as, as angry and as upset that, that, you know, this outcome would, would sort of make me, I think that the Cowboys sneak away with this one and you have history on your side as well. You know, we haven't beaten you in like, seven out of the last eight attempts or something ridiculous
1: like that so um obviously i hope i'm out i mean I, if the if the cowboys can get 19 points i'm going to be quite happy <laughs>
3: that's how i feel about the giants getting 17 points so yeah i mean
1: as we've been talking about this game you know the more i'm looking at this as two offenses that are overmatched by yeah. uh by defenses that have that have a, a talent advantage a schematic advantage a confidence yeah. advantage um, and, you know, when we got, when we got, uh, uh, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago with, uh, um, someone who covers the Buccaneers, uh, we asked for final scores. And I said, I said something like 13, nine, you know, and I, I had sort of joked in another podcast that it was going to be nine to six. Um, just because I think that there's going to be a lot of those scores. Yeah. To me, that it could be a really interesting game because it's going to be one of those games where every goofy play is going to matter so much more. You know, when you have a 41-37 game and there's a fumble, that doesn't really matter you're going to make it up. I mean, if if, if someone can crank out a 20-yard punt return or, or Saquon Barkley can break a tackle and get to the second level, uh, that's, going to, that's going to change the game because I think yeah. the way the game is going to be played, it's going to be one of those things where you, you try to score by – gaining 10 yards over over you know, per possession over a course of several possessions you know um so i think I, that to me that that could be a really int- interesting game but i think it's i still think it's going to be something like i don't know i'll say i'll say 16-13 you know which means of course it's going to be 37-34 right but of course, but, uh, of of course. course. I'll, say, I'll, I'll say i'll say 16-13 cowboys only because they're playing at home Oh no, they're
2: playing on the road, so I'll say 16, 13 Giants, because they are playing. playing. You're taking the Giants? Oh my goodness! You know, <laughs> first off, we it should be noted that we have not picked the Cowboys to win yet, so we have put aside okay. put aside our uh, you know our bias to to make you know educated guesses uh, on this game. And Rabs apparently just still uh, still going against the Cowboys, but I am not this this week. However, I will say I agree with everything you guys say have said, and I do think, I think this is going to be kind of a sloppy game. And I think this is going to be one that people are going to be like saying, really, this is what we have to watch on Monday night. Cause I think, you know, yeah. and you got me thinking about, you know, with, the with, uh, with the defense and the pressure they're going to, they are going to, they're going to come after Cooper and it's, it's going to get ugly. And the giant and Cowboys defense, are they're, they're going to wreak havoc too. So I think we're going to see some turnovers, you know, more, more so in this game than what we've seen in our first couple of weeks. Uh, I just think the offense is going to look really bad at times. It's going to be sloppy. I actually, you know, I'm just going to stick with the, the true primetime Cowboys-Giants as of late. I'm going to say that this is going to go into overtime, and it's going to come down. I'm going go to go 23-20, and I'm going to have Brett Maher be the hero once again for the Cowboys. But it's going to be an ugly 23-20 game. So, uh, and I think that, like, also with Barkley, too, I think the Cowboys are going to hold him to, like, three yards per carry. Until they don't and then it'll be he'll break one and then it'll be, you know, seven yards carry. But so I mean
3: You know, it it's one thing for a Giants Cowboys game to go into overtime, you know, in a one PM slot or a twelve PM slot for you guys, uh if you guys are in if you guys are in Texas. But to have it go into overtime and then the Giants lose on Monday night and then having to wake up early for work on Tuesday is really gonna hurt. It's really gonna hurt. So that's probably the worst case scenario for me.
2: Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it,
1: it, what's going to make it really bad is that uh, they're going to get to 20 each uh, by the end of regulation by each collecting 10 safeties.
3: Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, that's as good a, that's as good a, a prediction as any for, for, for this type of game. I, <laughs> right. I
2: think the Giants are going to probably be leading for a large part of this game. I I, I just expect that to kind of... Happen, and I think the Cowboys they get together late and tie it, and then they come come away and win it, and no tea. So that's fingers crossed.
1: Well, listen, we got to wrap up. Thanks so much for coming on with us and, and uh, you know sharing everything about the the Giants in there and their you know the new coaching staff and you know the the New York two and O NFC East leading Giants. Um, it was great talking to you. Best of luck to you uh, both this week and the rest of the season, my friend.
3: Hey, same to you guys. Was, uh, the pleasure was all mine. I had a lot
2: of fun. Yeah. Thank you. It was, it was nice talking to you.
3: Absolutely.
1: Well, you know, I, I love talking to Kunal about the, about the giants. It's, it's a shame that um, he doesn't write anymore because he used to write some really great stuff, but he's a, he's a great, he's a great follow on Twitter. If you don't follow him, he's at K S I X I on Twitter.
2: Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, one thing I really like, I like people that are actually, I mean, it's, it's good to be passionate about your team, but I like people that are actually are very, you know, they're, they're reasonable, they're objective. They kind of take a step back and, you know, you can kind of, you, you know, it's, you, you just felt like you're getting a very honest assessment. So I, I really appreciate that, uh, that, uh, you know, joining us. Yeah. He's
1: managed to find that, that sort of delicate equipoise between caring about the team, but not letting it, like ruin his life i mean I, there's a lot of fans who, who are just like it's too important to them and so when the cowboys aren't aren't good they get really disgruntled and he's he's got a really good full life and he loves his team but you know if they don't do well it doesn't they don't do they don't do well he just, he's not gonna he's w- not gonna
2: get all upset about it i wish i had better equipoise you know i just <laughs> <laughs> oh. it, it, we're,
1: we're, we're all on a journey dan we're all on a journey <laughs> um speaking of journeys um a couple of things I, I want to I talk about before, before we wrap up. And the first is this. Um, if you remember last year, the Cowboys opened the season with a loss against the Buccaneers and then beat a very good AFC team by a touch, uh, excuse me, by a field goal late, late, late in the game. And then came home and beat um, the, the pants off um, the, the Eagles, an NFC East oppo- uh, opponent, and that sort of got them on the early season run. Um, so one of the interesting things about this year so far is it sort of reflected that same history. And I feel like just like last year, that, that, that um, it was, it was again, it was like a Monday night game, big, big primetime game against the Eagles here. We have another big primetime game and it feels like the season could swing in either direction. And um, you know, it, it, they 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 did they sort of showed everybody that they were clearly clearly a better team than the eagles in the game they won by 20 and frankly wasn't as close as the, as the final score um and but they, but the season could have gone either direction. There was a moment where it was like it was on a, it was on that kind of pivot, and it could have swung either way. And I really feel like we're in a similar place here. I'm hoping, of course, that there's there's still a run of reasonably easy games coming up, and they can actually build, pile up some victories and and have a kind of similar script to last year. But I'm not sure. I think I think it's going to be really interesting uh, to watch play out. And of course, that's all going to depend on our good friend Cooper Rush. What are your thoughts about Cooper Rush? Is this is this like, is he the guy who's capable of engineering some close victories? Does he have something in him, or is this just a small sample size? And he's inevitably going to come back to Earth, and he's he's ultimately the kind of guy who's going to go. going to who's going to go two and six in his first eight starts.
2: Uh, well, I think yes to most of that. Um, I think a couple things that that stand out to me is first off, Cooper Rush is. I mean, he's he's really nothing more or less than what. We, then, what he should be. I think that there's, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe a lot of some of us, and I will, I will include myself here, that doubt him a little more. Like we, we always think he's going to lose the the backup job in the and the in training camp into some somebody, and, and he then he doesn't, and we're you know the, we're a little bit surprised by it. But then he comes in and he plays plays fine when when he's called upon, and I do think that. I think that's what we'll see. Um but uh, it, it, you're right it is it is a small sample size. So I think we're going that as that sample size gets bigger, we're going to see those times where Cooper Rush plays like the little less adequate as a backup quarterback and it will prove costly. Uh, but I think that we'll also see him play similar to what what he's done. And I do think the Cowboys themselves will probably develop better. I think I I think this defense is legit. I'm if there's any reason to be excited this year for the Cowboys, it's the fact that I think they got a great defense, and I think that great defenses you know, can travel. And I think that when they get things situated, on offense, that then they have the opportunity to be a great team. So really, we're just in kind of like um, survival mode. We just want to try to escape with wins, you know, until we get things going. But I do think the offense is going to improve. You know, I've already gone on record saying that I think the offensive line is better than I thought, and they're showing that. They're they're playing they're playing well, um, and I think there's a lot of pieces there to, to give this team a shot. So, I don't think... I think two and six, Cooper Rush type thing is... I mean, I don't... I don't would, I'd be surprised if, if the bottom just fell out, but I do think that he's still going to just be mediocre, and that's going to be both a good thing and a bad thing depending on just how everyone else plays. Um, but we have to give him credit. That is because he was if we had that type of play in the in week 1 the Cowboys had a chance to win that game and i i think people aren't talking about this enough that that Prescott would just had one of his worst games and he he just did not look right and he, the throws he were he was making was was terrible everyone wants to blame uh play calling or or just the front office just didn't do enough for him but then you have Cooper Rush come out there and look what happens when when people are actually uh, executing and making and putting the ball where it should be so uh, and I'm not at all saying, well, you know, maybe Cooper should be. Or, that's just completely silly and ridiculous. And I will not entertain any thought of that. But Cooper did play well uh, in week two. Dak Prescott did not week one. And that does make a big difference. Yeah, two 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 comments in
1: response to that. Um, I think the other thing that people are not giving uh, enough credit or the, the other thing that to which people are not giving enough credit is the Tampa Bay defense, which is actually really good and so I, I think people thought like last year we were able to score almost 30 points on Tampa Bay's defense so that's how it should go i, I actually think this may be the best defense in the league they're really good and, and they, new orleans had a lot of trouble the cowboys had a lot of trouble uh there's a reason that, that the receivers didn't get open against tampa and part of it's the scheme part of it's the receivers but part of it a big part of it is the tampa bay corners they're really they're they're, they're really tough and they're very sticky and their secondary is, is talented and smart and, and has a really good scheme and they're very sound um, the other thing, though, is that and this is this is something that um, that you gestured toward when you're talking about the Cowboys offensive line being better. You know, one of the things that I've been saying uh, during this offseason when everybody's been moaning about the Cowboys getting rid of Leo Collins is that they made a bet on an ascending player um, and jettisoned a descending player because they didn't want him to be a progress stopper. And even when you, when you do that, you always risk the, the present being not as good, but knowing that the future will be better, right? You take your lumps in the present, knowing that you'll have a better future, both because your guy will get better, but also because the other guy's inevitably going to get worse. I think I, I know Leo Collins was going up against Micah Parsons. I know, but I also just think he looked off balance stiff. Uh, uh, he 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 He's a shell of, of, of what he used to be. And I think he's a shell of what Cowboy fans have been clamoring or, or about who he is. Um, all off season, and so I feel I felt like the game against the Bengals was a real vindication for the Cowboys' choice to go ahead and give Terrence Steele his reps, let him take his lumps, and get better because he was, I thought, quite clearly the better uh, right tackle on the field. Yeah, last Sunday.
2: Well, absolutely, you're you're absolutely right. It was. I mean, and you're right. we don't want to be too hard on on LC because he had his hands full for sure. But but you saw one of the better games from Terrence Steele that I mean and, and, and Terrence Still to me and I've always I've been a an advocate of Terrence Still and and I don't I don't really just, I'm not overly too concerned about comparing between the two I don't really care about it all I know is that Terrence Still is a good player and you know if you're looking at the price and stuff it's a no-brainer to me so I don't have any issues with it. he's still young he's still developing but if you go and watch that tape with the, with this against the Cincy, and you know you will see Terrence Still it was absolutely the right choice, you know, for that the Cowboys made, and I, actually the whole offensive line just looked really good, and I mean mm-hmm. I was I was just very impressed with everybody. Even Matt Farniak was making plays, and he he improved from game one to game two, and so. I mean, but how could that be? I thought Joe Philbin didn't know how to coach. Oh, I tell you what, it's it's just a roller coaster with motions with that guy because sometimes he's a bad coach and sometimes he's a good coach. I don't get it, Raps, but I tell you what, I mean. If he's if this offensive line continues with with the players these young players like this we just gotta own it and just say you know he 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 knows what he's doing because yeah they looked they looked really sharp and that that's a lot I mean Zach Martin and four youngsters basically is what you're uh-huh. dealing uh-huh. with and for them to be able to to work collectively as well as they did that's very impressive so I mean I know it's it's gonna there's gonna be some growing pains and we, we see a little bit of that but those guys I mean this is week two and and the way they're where they're at right now that's that's really promising so. I'm I'm pretty pleased with that. Grandpa Zach and the Diaper Dandies. <laughs> no, that's hey, that, I I like it. Grandpa Zach and Diaper Dandies. Anyway, that is all we have for our show today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blogging Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Tell us what you think. Anything you'd like us to see us do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, Cowboys Hot Topics, you know, position. You know, who should be starting what, you know. Or, you know, what? Who? what's your favorite Cowboys-Giants primetime game? Hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyFan24, and Rabs is at Rabblerouser, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart, so make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue, and we will catch you you later fill out those permission trips for our field trip to new york students Woohoo!
0: more to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals